before we look to see others transformed by Jesus, we need to once again be transformed, renewed, refreshed by him ourselves, don't we? Yeah? I know I do. So, take these next few Sundays as opportunities to come away, if you like, as Jesus invited his disciples, to focus again on the important things, to refresh the foundations of faith on which everything else is built but that can get so easily lost and buried under the cumber of life. To invite the Holy Spirit to breathe new life again. And this morning I want to admit something to you. It's not always easy being a preacher. It just isn't. Sitting under the weight of the word of the Lord, the responsibility. Rarely do I feel adequate or worthy for the task. And the truth is this morning, I want to talk to you about something so central, so important, so foundational to everything else, not just in faith, but in this life, in the universe, that I know I simply cannot do it justice. There are so many peripheral subjects we can wax lyrical about and debate and dance around and have great conversations on. But when we strip it back and get to the centre of it all, the more profound I realise what I want to speak on this morning really is. If I was to preach on it every week for the next year, I wouldn't get close to exhausting it. For the rest of my life, I wouldn't get close to exhausting it. But also it's so simple that I don't want to get in the way of it and muddy the waters. This morning we're looking at the most important commandment of all. And it's simply this. Love God. Pray for a moment. Pray now. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Speak to us this morning. Rekindle our flame within. Our love for God, we pray. And speak through your word now. Speak through my human word. Speak to every heart and every soul gathered here and online. Ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's get digging in, shall we? So, this morning's reading, it's such a cool moment. There are a few of them, it's such an important moment. It is found in the uh, other uh, Gospels as well, in the other Synoptic Gospels, in Matthew, Mark and Luke. Um, it's the question that's been on everyone's lips, the big, hushed, whispery questions. Are you going to ask him? No, you ask him. No, I'm not going to ask him. You ask him. This is Jesus. You ask him. I don't want to ask him. It's the million pound question. It is the big one. Jesus, of all the things God has taught us, what's the most important commandment of all. It's almost embarrassing to ask. You almost feel like, am I allowed to ask that, Jesus? The surprising thing, not only does someone ask it, but Jesus actually gives a straight and clear answer back. He goes, you asked it, I'll tell you. The most important commandment of all, Jesus says, is to love God. And the second, he says, is to love your neighbour as you love yourself. There is something about the simple clarity of Jesus' answer I find truly humbling. This is it. This is what Jesus says it's all about. Love God. Love God. The number one foundation of everything else. Love God. 
And that's it, folks. I literally could leave the sermon there. You know, I said it was simple. I could stop right here and go, let's just worship, shall we? And maybe one day uh, I might do something like that. But let's dig a little more this morning. We've got some time. Let's dig into this a little bit more. You see, the answer Jesus gave, I'm going to go back. Uh, I've missed a slide there. It doesn't matter. Uh, The answer Jesus gave uh, was actually from two parts of Scripture. It's a combination of two bits of the Old Testament. The first from Deuteronomy 6, the second from Leviticus 19. Uh, You can look them up. You can find out where his answers came from. And we're going to be looking at loving our neighbour next week. And we'll see that they're inseparably linked. But for now, let's just park it to the side. Let's focus on the first. The most important commandment of all, Jesus says, and he quotes Deuteronomy 6, 4-5, a passage just after the Ten Commandments. Moses is speaking to the people uh, gathered, the people of Israel. Hear, O Israel, he says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words are known in the Jewish faith as the Shema. Some of you will know that. The word Shema in Hebrew literally means hear. It is the Shema, the here, uh, taking the first uh, word, here, O Israel, from the uh, phrase. And actually, they were already really important words in the Jewish faith. Long before Jesus came along, uh, they were recited uh, before bed, in the morning as well, and they were taught to every new generation of children, as they still are today by many observing Jews. And so when Jesus says, this is the greatest commandment, the teacher of the law who asks him, He's quick to agree. Well said. He responds, well said. Yes, I can agree with that. You see, God's people always knew they were supposed to love God. The scribes, the teachers of the law, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, even the ordinary, barely educated folk, they knew they were supposed to love God. And they knew that this meant something like serious commitment to him. A kind of passion, dedication, if you like, fearful reverence, most of all, Perhaps the greatest expression for them was awe and obedience to his ways, to his law. And to a greater or lesser extent, this is what they set out to do. To sit under this fearful judgment, the commands of this mighty and awesome God who was calling them to honour and to please him by offering him sacrifices, burnt offerings, tithes, by obeying his law. And when we read this command to love God, folks, this morning there is an argument to say that we should too primarily understand this as a full-hearted call to obedience and awe. To obey God with everything we have and we are. To spend our lives not seeking our own ways, but his ways. Out of a rightful fear of God of awe and respect, seeking to obey him in everything we do. And I want to say this morning that in One way that is absolutely right. For God is the almighty God of the universe. He is, hear this, more awesome, more glorious, more holy, more life-shakingly, terrifyingly powerful than we can ever imagine. And when he commands, he is worthy of our obedience. For we, in comparison to him, are as nothing. Isaiah 40 says, do you not know, have you not heard, have you not understood since the earth was founded, he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and his people are like grasshoppers. 
He stretches out the heavens like a canopy, spreads them out like a tent to live in. To whom shall you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He did. He did. He is the center of everything. He's the one who spoke and the world came into being. Every single plant, animal, person, planet, star, solar system, galaxy, atom, molecule that has ever and will ever be made was made by him and for him, sustained by him. He's the only one who dwells in glorious and perfect light, surrounded by myriads of angels and archangels, of heavenly beings more glorious than we could ever comprehend, who spend all eternity bowing before his throne, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And they lay down their crowns, declare that he alone is worthy to receive glory and honour and power. For he created all things and by him they were created and have their being. Friends, he's the one who holds it all together. He's the one with a single breath who brought about all life. Who are we, the Bible says, that he's mindful of us and it's true. Who are we compared to him? So it's right that we as his people honour and respect and worship because he is worthy. And yet, for this short time here on earth, as you live your life and I live mine, he has given us the freedom to choose to ignore him. You noticed. <laughs> we can live our lives pretending he doesn't exist or he doesn't matter, but the truth is he does. And the day is coming, the Bible says, when every knee will bow. To the glory of God the Father. Friends, the best advice I can give to anyone is don't underestimate God. Perhaps the biggest and easiest mistake any human can do is to think that somehow he doesn't matter that much. Wrong. He does. For all eternity, he does. Do not be deceived. We should be in awe of our God. If you need to hear it today, then hear it. Stop messing about with God. It's time to take him seriously. He is overwhelmingly glorious and each one of us needs to bow before him and give him our yes of obedience. And so this is what God's people throughout the generations sought to do, to obey mighty God, sought to honour him, fear him, please him, respect him, offer him sacrifices and burnt offerings as they sought to follow this foundational command of the Shema, to love him with all their heart, soul and strength. And yet that's not the full story, is it? If I stopped there, I would have told you half the story. That is so far from the full story. Even the teacher of the law who asked Jesus that day, I love this. He knew there was something deeper in this call to love God. This religious man surrounded by the temple and all the religious sacrificial system in full swing. He simply says, yeah, to love God and your neighbour It's more important than all these burnt offerings and sacrifices, isn't it? What an outrageous thing for him to say. Jesus says something equally extraordinary back. He says, you're getting there. You're not far from the kingdom of God. See, there's more to loving God than just living out a religion of fear and awe and duty and obedience. No matter how sincere you may be, and this is what Jesus came to help us understand. You see, the religious leader was close 
But he wasn't there yet. Interestingly, you may notice that when Jesus quotes from this, this is the Shema, direct quote from Deuteronomy 6, 5, he changes it a bit, doesn't he? I like this. The original says, love with all your heart, soul and strength. That is all of your will, if you like, your being, your bodily powers. But Jesus adds mind to the list. Our thought capacity, a fuller understanding. It's interesting, the, the uh, teacher of the law picks up on this and reflects it. Yes, your understanding kind of gets there almost. Because whilst this is implicit, this idea of mind uh, is implicit in the Hebrew concept of the heart. Jesus has drawn it out, chosen to separate it, if you like, uh, as if to emphasise it. And I don't want to make too much of this. But I do know and I do believe that Jesus knew that it was so much of our thought processes and understanding about God that were wrong in so many ways when he came. Because of this, God's people were missing the depth of what this commandment really meant. The man in front of him desired to love God, but his understanding of who God really was was miles away in reality. In fact, for far too long, God's people seemed to have missed it. So Jesus came, not just to show us God's awe, not just to show us God's splendor or power or might or God's majesty, not even just to demand our allegiance and obedience to some great and glorious eternal being, not even just to save us from our sin, but to reveal to us in the most intimate and beautiful way God's heart and his character. He came to open our eyes to reveal the Father to us that we might know and understand who he really is and therefore make it possible to move from dutiful religion to a loving relationship. Now I don't know, and I'll be quick on this bit because clearly this is neither as deep nor profound as where we just were, but hey, let's uh, transition into game shows. I don't know if you... Um, this is one time I'm no, I'm alright. I don't know if you watch uh, game shows yourself. I like to catch a little game show sometimes. Sneaky bit of pointless or uh, catchphrase, like catchphrase. Um, the best one, Beat the Chaser. You've seen that one? That's a great one. But if you notice, this thing happens on game shows. It's always happened since like the 80s, probably since the 50s, whenever they started. Is At the beginning of a game show, you have to meet the contestants and in like five seconds, you have to know something about them. And so you get these dreadful... Uh, Cheesy introductions, don't you? Hello, my name is Mandy, and uh, I like knitting. And apparently that one phrase sums Mandy up. And it's, hello, I'm Matt, and I really like stamp collecting. And everyone goes, yay, thank you, Matt, the stamp collector. Um, And it's because we try and grab the one thing that might summarize this person. I wonder... uh, what you'd say in that moment. How can we sum you up in one sentence? Hello, I'm Matt, and I like camper vans, or is it dogs, or music, or and I'm a minister. I don't know. It's quite difficult, isn't it, to sum yourself up in one thing. But I want you to think for a moment that if we sat down with Jesus right now, and sat and spoke with him face to face, what would be the lasting impression he gave us? What one thing? What would it be that he left us with? Would it be what many people would think, you know, be kind, be nice? Would it be some religious duty? I want to say no. I have a hunch that the one lasting impression, the number one thing for Jesus would be 
Have you met Father yet? He's wonderful. You'll love him. Have you met Dad? Oh, Dad is amazing. He is wonderful. Beautiful. Loves you so much. Have you met Dad? You see, Jesus came to reveal the Father. I've come so that the world may learn that I love the Father, Jesus said, and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. I can do nothing by myself, Jesus says. I can only do what I see my Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. But the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Everything Jesus did was a revelation of the Father's heart. He loves the Father, the Father loves him and all that he does is to show us who the Father really is. The greatest thing he wants for each and every one of us is to enter into eternal life in all its fullness. But what is this eternal life? Jesus tells us in John 17 verse 3. This is eternal life, Jesus says, that they know you. He's speaking to his Father. And they know Jesus Christ, me, whom you have sent. See, God's Father's heart was revealed throughout the Old Testament over and over again, but rarely was it caught or known or truly understood. Jesus isn't changing who God is when he comes and reveals the Father's heart. He's changing our understanding, transforming us by the renewing of our mind, that we might fully, more fully grasp who God is and always has been, a loving Father. Here in Hosea 11 verse 3, God describes himself, this is Old Testament, it was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they didn't realise it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with tides of love to them. I was like one who lifts a little child up to the cheek and I bent down to feed them. See, the Father heart of God was always there. Now Jesus is revealing it to us. And this is exactly how Jesus taught us to pray. Pray, call him Father. This is a revelation. Honour his name. Say, Father, may your wonderful uh, heart and character and justice be everywhere, just like it is in heaven. Let it be like this on earth. Feed us, Dad. Forgive us, Dad. Guide us, protect us, help us, Dad. You see, Jesus doesn't want any of us trapped in religion or to go through the motions. He wants us to know and love our heavenly Father just as he does, to have a real relationship with with him, in which our love comes in heartfelt response to his great love for us. This love is shown in the most amazing way by Jesus. Every good and beautiful and kind and tender thing Jesus did, saying it shows Dad, it shows Father, it shows his heart. When Jesus restored the broken, healed the hurting, reached out to the forgotten and the lonely, when Jesus defended the adulterous woman that day, drew the line in the sand, gave honour to the prostitute when she was mocked. When he opened the eyes of the blind man and raised Jairus' daughter to life, he's showing the Father's heart of love. Jesus showed us that the Father isn't angry, distant from sinners, but rather he's like a woman who's lost a coin, desperately searching high and low all over her house, desperately looking for it. He is looking for messed up and broken people who've lost their way, that he may bring them home and celebrate. Do you know Father, Jesus would say? Have you realised who he is? Have you met him yet? He's wonderful. 
Jesus tells us, Father isn't standing far off in judgment, but is looking out every day for the selfish, the rude, the arrogant son who rejected him and spent all of his inheritance, who humiliated him, who threw his love back in his face. He's the father who hikes up his tunic and runs to meet his child and embraces him with a heart full of love and welcomes him back home and throws a party. Do you know my father, Jesus would say? Have you met him yet? You know, Dad, you'll love him. See, everything Jesus did was to reveal the Father's heart and character and love. And Jesus said, anyone who has seen me, seen the Father. I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Everything he said and did, Jesus declared, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. And most poignantly of all, friends, and we'll explore the cross lots this term. I just want to touch on it here. As we realise in Jesus, here is a father who would give up everything for us. Everything. Here is a father who was not cross at the crucifixion with his son, but who was with him on that cross, feeling the depth of pain and shame. Father, Son and Holy Spirit, one God for all eternity, now suffering immeasurably, humiliated and mocked, all because of his love for me and his love for you. You see, God, the Bible says, is love. Always has been, always will be love. For all eternity, the Father has loved the Son, who has loved the Father, who has loved the Spirit, who loves the Son, who loves the Spirit, who loves the Father. And now we, you and I, are invited into this divine relationship of love to learn to love God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit and become part of the deepest and most profound relationship of all. Jesus tells us the number one command is to love God. The most important thing of all in this life is your relationship with the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit at work. Do you know, Dad? He's wonderful. Come and love him too, just like I do, Jesus says. I need to be quick, but as I was preparing this sermon, I was wondering uh, what uh, analogy to share with you to help us understand the depth of love God has for us and the relationship of love Um, that we can have with him. And this Friday evening, just God gave it so clearly. You see, every Friday, you'll have seen my little Harry. I call him Tronken Man. Don't worry, I have no idea how that name came, but that's his little name, Um, and he likes it. I take little Harry swimming every Friday for our weekly adventure. And it starts at home with him, put him on his orange swim cap. And I don't know if you've ever seen a little kid in a swim cap. It's very cute. They're like this, and their face all squashes up, and his little ears stick out like this, and he looks up at me and goes like, yep, I'm ready, Dad, I'm ready to go. And then we, uh, I look at his little bald head and his squashed out ears, and I can't help but love him. And then we go off on our adventure today, and everything is hop and a skip and a joy for Harry. He's always three metres ahead of me, uh, hopping and skipping. Dad, we're going in the Volvo. Yeah, let's go, Dad. I can strap myself in, Dad. And we arrive at the swim centre, and we have to use a card reader to get in. And he goes, I can do it, Dad. Can I have the card, Dad? Uh, I know how to do it, Dad. And then he gets in, he looks up to me. It's like this, isn't it, Dad? I do do it this way, don't I, Dad? And then we have to take our shoes off. Help me with my laces, Dad, he said on Friday. And then when I'd done mine, oh, don't go yet, Dad. I've still got to do mine. Just wait up, Dad. And then getting him ready, 
We mustn't knock the hat off, must we, Dad, as I'm trying to take off his T-shirt and getting it stuck round his head. Uh, and then finally ready to go to the pool, and he says to me this Friday, you can stay here, Dad. I can do it on me own, he says, as a proper West Country boy. But then he stops and he turns back and he goes, but you can come if you want to, Dad. And then he goes, yes, come on, Dad. One final look back, just as he starts to get near to the pool. And I kid you not, I love you, Dad. And off he goes for a swim. I can't describe my utter love for him. Feels like I'd do anything for him, and yet the Father's love for us is so much more than that. You see, as we've heard, even though God knows the hurt and pain so many of us feel from our earthly fathers, he still uses this extraordinary imagery of a little child with a loving father to help us understand his love for us and our joy in loving him. Our earthly fathers are just a tiny and imperfect foreshadow, even when they're at their very best. He is our perfect heavenly father. Jesus wants us to know him. He wants us to realise and believe and to know that he loves spending time with us, encouraging us, leading us, celebrating as we grow and learn, and we, like a little child, are called simply to love him back, to join him on the adventure. The wonderful thing is that the gift of the Holy Spirit inside helps us, softens our proud and sinful hearts, draws us near to him, reminds us of his love, and enables us to say, Abba, Daddy, Father, Dad, Daddy. So let me finish, and I need to. Friends, it all comes down, and it all comes down to it. Jesus says there is nothing more important than this. Love God. For here is eternal life. Here is life in all its fullness. Here is the most foundational, life-changing and precious relationship anyone of us can know. Love him with everything you have, with all your heart, your passion, your desires, your will, not a half-hearted token effort. If you're sick of a half-hearted token effort, say again to God, I want to love you more. Come Holy Spirit. Choose to give him your best this morning. Don't be lukewarm, be all in. You'll never regret it. For all eternity, you won't look back and go, I loved God a bit too much when I was on earth. No. You'll be like, come on, more. Love him with all your soul. The very core within you that makes you, you. Me, Matt, and you, you. You love him. Not me or someone else love him. You love him with all you are. Pray, listen to him, delight, grow and kindle the fire within. For dad loves you so much and your soul sings and comes alive when you draw close to him. Find those ways, take the time. He knows your name. So delight in his and worship him with all that's within you. Love him, yes, with all your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, scripture says. Realise his goodness, his grace, his faithfulness. Recognise the beauty of the sunset and go, wow, I love that, Father, you're amazing. Recognise the glory of creation all around us and go, Father, you are just extraordinary. I love your heart. Listen to kids playing and laughing and go, I love you, Father. Look at music, look at art, hear music, be moved and be a person who turns it to God and recognising his character. Realise in him when you look to Jesus you see the depth of Father's love for you. Love him with all your strength. And yes, that brings us back to obedience. We are called to obedience, choosing his ways, not our ways. But Jesus taught us this comes out of love. 
We don't choose to follow God's commands and his values and his instructions out of some great fear of a distant deity. Perfect love casts out all fear. No, we do it because we love him and know that he loves us so much. Come Holy Spirit and help us to be obedient. So let me finish then with this. On the way back from swimming, Harry stopped. Uh, no, we, we were driving, he just interrupted for a moment. He said, Dad, and I said, yeah. He said, I love you. I said, thank you, Harry. I said, I love you too. And Harry said, no, no, I love you more. And I said, no, I love you more. I love you more and more and more and more and more, he says. It's a competition, you'll see. Who can love each other most? He wants to win. And then he says, I love you all the way to France, Dad, and then back to England, and then to the moon, and then back again, and then France, and then back to England, and then France again, and then England again. I said, that is a lot. He said, yes, it is. Because England is very far away, he declared. I said, well, yes. I love you the same, I say. If not, more, I say. <laughs> he pauses, then he continues. He says, no, Dad, I love you two hundredths of two hundred. I said, that's impressive. I don't know where you've got that from. He says, is that a lot? I said, yes, it is a lot. No, he says, I love you two thousand. No, I love you two thousand forty. That is a lot, he says. And I know from his heart that he means it. It is a lot. You and I will never win a competition with Father God about how much we love him. He loves us so, so, so much more than we could ever know. And our love for him is tiny in comparison. Sometimes it feels pathetically small, doesn't it? It's why at communion we use the words, if you love the Lord a little and you want to love him more. Perhaps that's you this morning. It feels like your love for Father has grown dim. That tiny spark of love you have for him, that is where it starts. That is where it starts. That is where you start again this morning. You are called now to spend your life discovering more of how wonderful he is and loving him more and more and more. And we're going to start it right now this morning by giving him our heartfelt love, adoration and worship. We're going to do two things. We're going to sit at home, we're going to watch a beautiful video of worship song. And when that's finished towards the end, if I can invite the band up, we're going to finish our time together by singing, I love you, Lord. So take a moment, worship him, love him from your heart. He loves you.